Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my friend from the Leftover Army, Leo Bateman. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Not much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, dude. This one's been a long time coming. We've uh, we've known each other online for, for years now, and so I'm excited to have you on the podcast finally. Yeah, probably since, uh, what, does 2018 sound about right? <laughs> Something like that. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Something around there, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> hard with that uh, COVID gap, one to three years, however long that fucking thing was. Oh my gosh, I still have to like figure out that math. Like when my wife and I were, we, um, I've had this whole week off on vacation, and so we've gone, every day we've picked a different place in Iowa to go hiking, and uh-huh. so... We were at one of the places, and we were trying to like do the math to figure out the last time we were at this place. And it yeah. was like, it's like, oh, I had to have been just a couple of years ago. And it's like, no, 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 no. It would have been a couple of years before <laughs> COVID. So maybe four or right. five years ago now, maybe even longer. Yeah, it just fucks up like the whole math system when you try to do that. And anytime I think about it even remotely hard, I just get kind of discouraged and depressed so (laughs) thinking about the whole covid stretch of time (laughs) yeah yeah it's um i don't know it it, i don't know if news of that has just kind of died down in lieu of other things it's hard to gauge stuff on on news stories but it, it seems like now when i'm hearing of friends getting covid it's like almost everybody i know now who gets it has the variety where you know it makes them feel really run down and tired and mm-hmm. and then they're kind of okay after a while. Um, yeah. So, so far, I've go- I've still not gotten it. I've I got the sure. the two shots and then a booster, and but but I'm also like I don't know, I'm like an obsessive hand sanitizer user and hand washer right. and shit like that. So I'm sure that yeah. helps. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm kind of like right there with you. I never managed to catch it myself, but also, you know, being up where I live, I think it's always just been a lot more rare in general and yeah, I can't even think of uh the last person that I know personally that's come down with a case, actually. But that's kind of the benefit of living in a really rural area. <laughs> yeah, you're in you're in benefits. you're in Montana, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, my my wife is obsessed with moving to Montana. She she's she likes that it's it's uh the low amount of people and the high amount of like rock and mountains and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's beautiful scenery for sure. Like as long as you're on kind of the Western part, more toward the East, it gets pretty, pretty flat and uh, indistinguishable from the Dakotas. Yeah. See, I haven't gone to Montana. I've been like the furthest West I've been up in that area is, is Wyoming. And I think that that was only yeah. as far, far west as we need to go to get to devil's tower so it really wasn't even that far into into uh wyoming yeah devil's tower though that's a sweet spot (laughs) yeah that whole area up there in the black hills is one of my favorite parts of the country it's just gorgeous yeah oh well you love montana then i think you're you just have to come up and visit sometime it's (laughs) yeah it it, it's hard to uh look at other mountains the same i feel like once you've been in the rockies but that's that's a lot of personal bias So have you lived in, in uh, Montana your whole life then? Uh, pretty much the bulk of it. I mean, I was born in Georgia, but we moved up here when I was super young, just about six years old. So kind of lived the majority of my life in Montana. I went to Oklahoma for college, actually. But uh, outside of that, yeah, I've been here for yeah about 30 years. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah like, yeah, like I was saying, I love that part of the country up there with with the Black Hills, and and I've always been a huge fan of mountains ever since the first time I went to Colorado. It just blew my mind, and I, I would love to get up and visit that part of the state sometime. There's a handful of national parks that are that are on my bucket list, and I think like Glacier National Park isn't that in Montana. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, that's up on the northern side. I I've only been once. I went myself like maybe 2014 or so like and yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful country up there. Um I think I like I like it better than Yellowstone personally. Oh, is Yellow is Yellowstone in Wyoming Wyoming or Montana? Uh, it's in both. I think, uh, I believe the bulk of the park is kind of more in Wyoming, but there are parts of it that creep into Montana and there's actually two entrances into it, uh, from Montana. So yeah, I mean, and then once you're in the park, it's kind of free roaming. So yeah, you can access it from, I forget where all the entrances are, but I believe, yeah, it's mostly, most of the park is in Wyoming. There's some in Montana and I think a little bit in Idaho too. Oh, so, and Idaho is another one of those states that like most people don't think much about, but from all the pictures I've seen, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I was actually in a Coeur d'Alene um, last weekend just for a little bit. I had uh, made a little trip out of, so they have an amusement park out there. It's like the fucking only amusement park within a six hour radius if you live in Montana. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't have a lot of here, but um around Halloween, they turn it into a haunted amusement park. And so it's normally called Silverwood. At Halloween, it's called Scarywood. And yeah, there's just a bunch of actors in costumes kind of like floating around in between attractions waiting to jump and scare you. And they have like most of the roller coasters still active, but every other kind of ride or attraction is turned into just a themed haunted house that you can walk through. That's really cool. I've never heard of an entire amusement park doing that. That's fucking wild. Yeah, I don't know why more of them don't do it, but it's truly a blast. I've actually never been to it when it's a regular amusement park, but I've been a, a few times for the haunted thing. But I'm just a big fan of haunted houses. So, <laughs> see, I I always kind of stick away from those things because really, well, I'm a because it's like I understand what they are and, and it's like the jump scare type things uh-huh. but I'm just afraid that if somebody just jumps out and pops up in front of my face my instant reaction is going to be defense and just swing <laughs> at somebody just like like almost like a doctor like hitting your knee with a hammer and you just kick yeah. your leg out where it's like rah just bam just punch somebody yeah. <laughs> and then well, I'd feel horrible <laughs> no that happens I actually um, I think part of the reason I love them so much was I got to volunteer in one when I was 14 um, oh nice <laughs> yeah and as much fun as i have walking through them i i tell you there is no high like working in a haunted house where you get to just be there and jump out and scare people every 10 seconds and get that <laughs> reaction um but there are some people that will you know sort of reflexively uh retaliate and i remember this one time i had this girl that yeah you know just sort of flung her hands out and was like frantically hitting me and the first time she connected it spun my mask sideways so i couldn't see and she just like proceeded to, to beat me with her fists for a good like 10 seconds until her, her group kind of pushed her forward but yeah it does fucking happen oh my gosh <laughs> so so you must have started like you you must have developed a love for haunted houses when you were a kid then yeah i think for sure i mean 
remember going when I was pretty young to some of those like kind of lamer, more community organized ones, you know, that aren't super high production quality, obviously. Um, but the one that I volunteered at um, was actually like, I think the guy and his wife sort of ran it and they ran it for charity, but the guy was like a mechanical engineer or something. And his wife was like, I think she was involved in theater, but they just made a hell of a team. And even though, you know, kind of rural part of the country, it was like super high production quality. And I think just after seeing that and like what can be done in that kind of format, um, yeah, I just kind of would seek them out like anywhere. If I'm out traveling in October, I'll just kind of be looking, looking around to see what's sort of available locally. And if they have kind of a higher production quality haunted house thing, I'm, I'm there. Nice. That's cool. Everybody needs to have a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, if this is like what, what I would consider one of my biggest things, but it's definitely like in October. Yeah. I'm kind of on the lookout. And ever since I've, I've sort of been back to Montana after college, there aren't really many other options other than scary wood. So, um, but <laughs> there's like some, I mean, there's stuff all over, I would think that you could probably find. Uh, what what other sort of stuff is there to do up in Montana then? Like, wh- what do you what do you do for fun then if you're not, uh, you know, enjoying pop culture stuff? <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of the outdoor stuff is really big up here. You know, skiing, snowboarding, and I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself near as into it as a lot of the people around here. I've sort of snowboarded off and on, but it's been even a, a few years since I've done it last. I'm myself like i'm more i I did boxing and jujitsu for like a couple of years and just sort of like more those types of athletics but i mean i like to do the hiking thing and getting out and doing that that's another big thing up here rock climbing i've like dabbled just a small bit in but that's also got a big following up here anything kind of mountain related mountain biking is pretty popular recreation up here in montana um but yeah, for me, it's a lot of the pop culture stuff. Um, just kind of somewhat of a gym rat, the boxing, the jujitsu, and kind of more of a socialite too. Like just a lot of social events. Um, I mean, our community kind of does a pretty good job of like putting on things like a lot of live music and just community-based events, stuff like that. So, Oh, that's kind of awesome. I, yeah. So are you in like the Bozeman area? I am. I'm in the uh, the popular part of Montana, thanks to that damn Yellowstone show. <laughs> <laughs> there's like two cities in in Montana that I know. There's there's Helena, which is I believe the capital, and then Helena. Bozeman. Helena. Helena. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and, um, and Bozeman. Those are the only two cities. Yeah. There might be no. No, I think no. Cheyenne. That's the capital of Wyoming, right? Yeah, Cheyenne's in Wyoming. See, the, these are just facts that were drilled into my head in elementary school. That <laughs> somehow it it now at forty two years old, they're they're still there. <laughs> so you still have all the state capitals memorized. Well, certainly not all of them, but but quite a few of them. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's good pub trivia knowledge. Um, that's that's also a big recreation big big of mine. Um, there's a lot of drinking up in Montana. Really, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Due to, due to lack of other options, so, so that usually involves somewhat. Even if you're like skiing, you know, or doing one of the outdoor things, like most of the times people have a a beer or a whiskey in hand. <laughs> nice, fits that stereotype pretty well. I'd see that in climbing every once in a while here in Iowa. I remember um, 
like one time me and me and my wife were out at this fairly remote crag, like remote for like Iowa standards. Like you got to hike for like a good 30 minutes to get to this wall. And uh, mm. we're out there early in the morning and we're climbing this thing. And then it's probably about mid morning and like a group of college kids from Iowa City show up and start warming up on the route next to us. And before they're <laughs> even putting their rope up, they're like slamming beers that they didn't take out of yep. a cooler. They just pulled a six pack out of a backpack. And so I'm presuming <laughs> that they're just slamming warm beers before they're <laughs> warming up on this route. And I'm just like, wow, some people do it different. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, I, no, that extreme sports culture can be uh, quite fucking wild. <laughs> well, just the, the climbing and alcohol one always blew my mind. Like I could understand it. Maybe if you're like bouldering or something, maybe yeah. even like, with that, I don't get it because it's like, if you're topping something out and you're shaky, like you're going to fall right. and maybe hurt yourself. Alcohol. Might not be the best, whereas you see lots of people toking, you know, when it when yeah. it comes to climbing and stuff like that, to the point where it was it was almost like there was like two cl- camps of climbers that I would meet, like either like the serious, like highly college educated, um, you know, like intellectual type climbers that like really looked at it like it was like a chess match, and then more of like mm-hmm. the adventurous, rebellious, going out and getting stoned at the crag, <laughs> <laughs> don't fucking yeah. tell me what to do type climbers, right? And it was like. I fit in well with both circles. And so it was really funny, depending on who I was climbing with, what the atmosphere was like. See, I could not smoke and do something like that. I I would just get so anxious and like spun around in my head. But I'm with you (laughs) on alcohol too. Like doing stuff like that where, I mean, you know, your life can be on the line. And there's like, you know, plenty of kind of local stories too about climbers that have you know, whether it's negligence or like a freak accident, you know, had something happen to them. And I, I mean, as much as I love drinking and smoking and stuff like that, there's yeah certain things I just could not mix it with. It freaked me out too much. <laughs> See, I've always been really, really afraid of heights. And so it's like yeah. when it came to like the safety systems with climbing and stuff, that was what made me comfortable with being able to right. do it was like, totally understanding the safety system and doing double checks yeah. before leaving the ground and, and shit like that. Because it's like that you're going to, even if you're on like a top rope, like if you're 50 feet off the ground, like your brain is screaming at you that you're in a dangerous situation. And the only way that yeah. I could shut that voice up was to be like, go through the steps of everything is good here. Everything has been checked. Uh, you know, everything yeah. is redundant. <laughs> the, the, really, yeah. the only thing that's not redundant is just the single rope. But in theory, that thing could pull a car up the side of the wall. So right. I think it'll be fine yeah, it's with like me. One of the times in your life where, thank God for redundancy, right? Like, it's just a comfort <laughs> in those moments. Like, well, yeah, yes, it's we have super nine different backups. Exactly. When your life's on the line, back that fucking oh, thing yeah. up. Um, just recently, Joe Vitale had sent me uh, an article. There was like a, a former uh, Dallas Cowboys football player that died in a climbing accident in California and they were doing some multi-pitch at, I think it was at Tequitz. I'm probably not even pronouncing that correctly, but it was like this, like kind of like area where it's really tall multi-pitch climbing and they got up on something and I guess weather moved in and it was like hailing and shit even. And they were bailing off this route and Mm -hmm. they set up and they were going to simul repel off of, a piece of webbing that was just left tied to like a tree or something like that. And the thing was old and UV damaged. And when they weighted it, the thing broke. And so they tumbled Uh, down the mountain and died. Yeah. And and 
you know, whenever there's accidents like that, there's always a group that goes in and investigates it and then publishes the the accident uh-huh. report online so that other people can learn from it. And that's what they yeah. found was they found this broken piece of faded webbing. And they they surmised that because they were bailing from the route during a, a thunderstorm that they didn't notice that this piece of gear that had been left behind was very faded and old and they should have just backed it up. And what's crazy is that had they just backed it up with like a a sling or a piece of webbing, like a fucking a piece of gear that's going to cost you less than $5 to leave behind. And they're like, no, we're, we're thinking that this is good. We're going to trust our lives to it. And then it's not. And then it's all yeah. over. It's scary. Yeah. yeah that, that kind of stuff gives me chills. And I mean, I'm like you, like I have a, I have what I feel like is a healthy fear of heights. Like it's, it's probably pretty baseline with most people. Um, and stuff like this is interesting. Cause I think, I think it's just fun to kind of work with that anxiety and like face your fears. But yeah, climbing is, it's dangerous. I, I think it has like a higher fatality rate than like skydiving, right? There's more risk to it. Shit. I, I've never looked up both of them, but I mean, probably depending on what, like if you're the sort of climber that's constantly going into like alpine conditions, going up in mountains and stuff like that, you're going to yeah. have way higher risk than somebody who's just single pitch sport climbing or bouldering all the time. You know, there's kind of right. like a sliding scale of that's depending true. on what you're partaking in and where it's at. Yeah, there's a lot more variability across climbing, you're right. Yeah, because parachuting. <laughs> oh yeah. Well different. like like base jumping or like wingsuit flying, those people oh, sure. I think yeah, have the, the highest mortality rate of like a, yeah, a that's group a of enthusiasts. Different ball game. Um, there's like twenty different names on the patent for the wing like for not the patent, but for like credited as like helping invent the wingsuits, like twenty some people and they're all dead. Yeah, <laughs> they all died. They all died in wingsuit accidents. So, yeah. so it's like that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I think that reminds me. I had seen like a meme or something. God even knows if it was real, but it was like about the guy that um, I guess I guess you couldn't really call him the inventor of parachutes because his didn't work. But he was like the first <laughs> person to try. Was it the and... guy who jumped off the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And his suit just looks so like ridiculous, like this inspector gadgety kind of thing. Um, Didn't work. Yeah, I mean, kudos to him for trying. Though somebody's got to be the first one. I guess. Jesus Christ! Yeah, may- maybe try it with like a dead hog, <laughs> or, or like you know, like a, a big piece of wood, or, or yeah. some- something that's like you know, get your analog for a crash test dummy and use yeah. that. Don't be like, I'm going to stand behind this unproven invention. <laughs> And I'm going to yeah. jump off this giant radio tower in the middle of Grand Ole Paris. And let's see how it goes. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to like read that guy's journal in the, in the days leading up to it. Like, how, how confident going in was he? Like, <laughs> I just want to sort of know his headspace. And if he like really thought it was going to work or if he just like didn't give a shit and was going for it. Or why <laughs> he didn't, you know, test it with other stuff. Oh, in that same vein, I, I had read that the Wright brothers on their famous flight, that was the only time that they had ever actually flown together because they had made their father a promise that they wouldn't fly together in case the plane crashed. He wouldn't lose both of his kids. And so then the first time that they like got it kind of to be up in the air for a little bit, they were both in it. I guess, I guess they were like, this is going to be the one that's going to work. We better both be on it for the history books. And then after that, uh, that's that's what I learned. I, I think it was in the Today I Learned subreddit, so take uh, it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but it was an interesting maybe, story. 
maybe they were both just at their breaking point. They were like, fuck it. If this doesn't work, I'm just done. I'm done with life. Like, <laughs> me too, Orville. I'm, I'm going with you. Was it, was it Orville and Wilbur? Wasn't yeah. That their yeah. First okay. Yeah. And it was, they were, they happened in Ohio, I think too. Yeah. They were, weren't they like bicycle mechanics or something like that? That sounds right. It so was a uh, again Hawk. elementary school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why can't wasn't I remember? Wasn't it Kitty Hawk? Is that the name of the place that they? That sounds right. Okay. There's probably some like aviation history enthusiast screaming at his fucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. While well, we refuse to Google and just simply fact check it. No. Like I know you have a phone. Fucking look it up. <laughs> No, I'm just going to assume we're right. Just like the uh, good old days when you couldn't Google anything to fact check yourself. <laughs> oh, geez. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, have you ever been parachuting that? Dude, I I went back and forth on it for many years and then ultimately decided no. No, not going to do it. It, it does look I, exhilarating, but but no. I fully recommend it, man. <laughs> okay, you've got to tell me about it. How, how did the idea get in your head, and how did you approach it? Well, so it, it's just kind of like a classic bucket list thing, right? And, you know, I, I do have that, that fear of heights, and that kind of just motivated me more, like just a little kind of belligerently angry that there's this thing I'm kind of afraid of. And it's like, you know, pretty significant experience. So I figured I wanted to try it at some point in time. And it was actually, uh, yeah, during COVID, because um, I hit my 30th birthday, and I wanted to go for my 30th birthday, and you know, it's COVID-friendly activity, because there's not too many people around you. <laughs> and yeah, the first time you go, you have to be, like, strapped in with someone, you know, which I think makes it a lot easier. A tandem like, jump? Yeah, 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 that's what it's called. Because um, I knew I just pretty much had to fucking like show up there and you know someone was going to do kind of the rest of the work like regardless of how scared i got <laughs> like i was i was going to get through it <laughs> and i you know cross it off the bucket list right um i didn't expect how much i was going to enjoy it though um and and see like with with me kind of when i get anxious about something it's it's usually just like right before the fact so i was doing pretty good until like day of and when it was driving out there to meet him, and then, you know, I, I start getting the shakes and stuff. I'm like looking up on my phone, like, uh, how many people have died skydiving? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> how many people have, Mon- have died in Montana while skydiving? <laughs> like, looking at all these things, uh, which there's actually very few. And so that was like a comfort. And like, each of them were, there was only two, I think, in Montana, two people that have ever died skydiving, and they were both pretty uh, extenuating, kind of rare circumstances. Um, so it actually made me feel a lot better, but anyways, get out there and yeah, they take you up in this little fucking crop dustery kind of plane <laughs> that, uh, reminds me of, um, Randy Quaid's plane in Independence Day. That's <laughs> what it fucking reminded me of. That's the first thing I uh, thought of. That's hilarious. Yeah, was it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It was like that exact type of fucking plane. Um, like a bike so, plane. <laughs> yeah. And there's literally just enough room. It was me and I actually have a buddy that I share a birthday with that I, I talked to him into going with me. So it was me and him tied to our like tandem partners. And that's like all that can fit inside this plane. Like that, <laughs> the dude fucking flying it. And 
yeah so you get in there and it's this like weird like sort of because you're kind of like sitting lying down and someone's basically spooning you you know because they're strapped to you it's like this weird cuddle ride like up into the fucking air on this biplane and when you get to kind of cruising altitude they open up the hatch and like here's how it works because you know you're tied to the front of someone and so their legs are kind of like fanned out on the outside of your legs and so they move their left leg out first then you got to move your left leg out first so then you like feel it and the air kind of sucks it out of the plane a little bit you know you feel it sort of dangling and (laughs) i remember it was like my right leg I don't know if it was the air pressure or just the anxiety, but like it would not move. I had to like reach down with my arms, <laughs> and, like, lift it up like a dead leg and kind of like throw it out the, the door. And, and yeah, once I was there, the guy just kind of grabbed the door and he pushed off and launched us out into the sky. Wow. How far did you get to free fall before they pulled the cord? Um, Or how long? Not really how far. I want to say it was like eight to 10 seconds. They they let you reach terminal velocity, you know, that's like essentially the fastest kind of you can fall. Yeah. And yeah, I remember it's like, I thought I had experienced tunnel vision before. Um, no, like I, I got to experience it for real, what that feels like. And almost like in those movies, you know, when that like panning from scene to scene, everything's getting black and it's just narrowing into a circle. That's like exactly what it was like, like during the free fall part. And it was like getting to the point where like my vision was completely closing. And I actually thought like I was about to black out. And that's when the guy opened the chute. And Joe, it, it was like having a fucking orgasm. It was like, <laughs> that was the only way I could describe it. But it's just like your whole field of focus is narrowing. And then it just immediately expands and you just get this like whiplash of emotional rush from going from like that high pressure stress to just this like exhilarating kind of feeling. And I started like laughing hysterically, like I was a goddamn joker or something Uh, (laughs) was just the response that I had. But yeah, no, it was great. And I like rode off that high for probably a week or two after it. Nice. Well, that's pretty cool. Like, how much preparation did you have to do leading up to it? Did you have to, like, watch films or, or like, nope. do, like, a class or anything like that? Or it was just, nope. like, hey, this is Craig. You're going to be strapped to his dick and you're going to jump <laughs> out of this fucking plane. Yep. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. You just showed up and they're like, hey, this is the suit. And, like, the, uh, the other people were, like, kind of getting dressed with you. And so you just sort of followed their lead and they made sure all the straps and stuff were, were kind of right. But. Yeah, like no fucking training, not even a YouTube video. <laughs> Damn, dude. They make you watch an instructional video before you go play paintball. That's wild that they didn't make you do anything more than jumping out of a fucking plane. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like that That person just, you know, it's all in their control and they do that shit like eight times a day. Uh, that uh, is a good point. I mean, it's like, hey, yeah. just follow everything the guide says and right. you're going to be good to go. Yeah. Like a lot of people will like black out their first time, I guess. And that's, but like, yeah, it literally doesn't matter. Like they'll, you know, they, they've got you taken care of. So you can be blacked out the whole time. <laughs> kind of a waste of money, but uh, you know, yeah, there's no real risk to it. Did you give any consideration to, to getting into it further so where you could do a solo dive? Oh, 
um, like, <laughs> like a brief level of consideration. I, when I first signed up to do it, it was going to be like a one and done thing for me. Um, I was like, just want to cross it off the bucket list and I can be done. I enjoyed it enough that maybe I'd do it again. Um, I don't, I don't know if I need to do it. So well. I, I think I'd still be worried that I'd like black out or freeze and just not pull the cord. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know. Like I might do it again at some point. And then if I guess I keep enjoying it, it stacks, but I don't know. There's lots of other stuff in life to try to. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's like the, if it is the time where it goes poorly, like, oh, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking right. Like, I would just also feel kind of dumb dying that way. <laughs> <laughs> totally, right? <laughs> you know, like, people are just watching you go down and they're like, oh, you're about to pull the parachute cord any minute. And then you're just like, dink. Like, <laughs> Oh, embarrassing. That would be an embarrassing way to like if if like yeah the the accidentally killing yourself while doing something that's supposed to be fun has got to be a pretty embarrassing way to go. Yeah, yeah. But on the flip side, going out doing something fun, I don't know. <laughs> if you can tell stories where you're going, where you're going to end up, I suppose it would make for a good story. But yeah. seeing how there's nobody who knows what the next step is, who knows, man? Is is it just going to sleep? If so, it's like, wow, okay, well, you just earned your nap in an epic way, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nap in an epic way. Oh, my God. What's, what's some of the stuff on, on your bucket list or, or that was that you, like, crossed off? Uh, let's see. Um, I, can't, I guess I there's there's still a bunch of hikes that I really want to do. I would love to go out and, like, hike just to the top of like pretty much any mountain I think would be really, really cool. I don't want to do something that would have to be like a technical Alpine climb. I don't want to have to take a rope with me or anything. I just want to fucking hike to the top of a mountain. I think that would be neat. And so that's something I definitely want to do at some point. There's, there's a bunch of national parks that I still want to see. Um, uh, like up in your area up there with Glacier National Park and in Yellowstone and, um, I'd, I'd have to look at a map, but th- there's a bunch of them up there that I want to see. There's some in California I want to see. I really want to see Yosemite someday. I want to see uh, Grand Canyon, you know, little things like that. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think most of my stuff is just traveling and a lot of it's yeah. nature based because that's where that's where I'm at. My happiest is is if I'm just in the woods, it's just the sound of the wind and the leaves and the birds chirping like uh, that's that's really all I need. <laughs> like that's my that that is where that is where I'm at my happiest. Yeah, that does a lot for people. Just that kind of sense of connectedness that I think people get from nature and the the wilderness. That yeah, just like a really healing thing for a lot of people. I think. Oh, I I saw an article earlier today saying that just listening to the sounds of chirping birds is as uh, they did some study and it had a, a visible effect of reducing anxiety and uh, paranoia. Just listening to the sound of birds, and it's like, yeah, I, I believe it. The paranoia thing is interesting. Like that's a yeah, just an interesting thing for I think the research to kind of highlight. Like a lot of things will kind of decrease depression and anxiety, but like rare that you kind of hear a study or something where it's like, no paranoid thoughts in particular, like this thing helps with and birds chirping. 
Yeah, you'd think that <laughs> people who have those clocks that make a bird sound every 15 minutes are probably like really <laughs> chill. Yeah. Well, and this this just reminded me of because I I was listening to your uh, episode with Hepner not too long ago, and you had talked about the conspiracy theory of birds not being real. And <laughs> that's so that's my favorite. Because I feel like a certain segment of the population, birds chirping, is really going to heighten their paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even consider that. That's fucking brilliant. I tried to go to the woods to get away from them, man. They had so many out there. Who are they watching? Who are they oh, watching in the woods, bro. man? I don't know. <laughs> Shut up, bird. <laughs> <laughs> There's shit going on in the woods. The government's watching the woods really closely. <laughs> so great for most people, but if you're a conspiracy theorist, maybe nature is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking spectacular. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just thinking, like the the travel. Like a lot of my bucket list stuff is is travel too. I I've got a lot of like historical kind of based ones though like i did i went and saw the coliseum a few years ago that is, that was probably like number one on my bucket oh, list that would be amazing yeah oh and as amazing as it was like i think my favorite part about rome was the vatican um and just all the fucking artwork that's like in there it's you could you can and i did like get lost in it for an entire day um, just appreciating all the different pieces of art. There's like thousands. I feel like there's, there's gotta be like the whole roof and walls are just like covered in like a mosaic, a painting kind of fucking. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. The Vatican looks incredible. The, the sheer amount of wealth on display there should make them blush a little, but curiously it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I tried to just like you know appreciate the art. <laughs> like, like, I mean, this, yeah, this is the simple life of servitude that Christ taught. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. With your that, gold that fucking slippers <laughs> and your painted ceilings, but no, it is yeah. it is beautiful, and yeah. it, it would be an incredible well, uh, traveling around the world would be really cool. Um, yeah. I, that for for me, it's like the language barrier always fucks with me. Like, there's a part of me that oh, that, yeah. that wants to be like, well, if I'm going to go somewhere, I feel like I should have at least a handle on the language. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I can I can barely say things in Spanish, so I don't I don't think I'm picking up languages quickly. But now that we live in this technological age, I mean, you can really just kind of say a sentence into your phone, and it can just spit it out in yeah. the right language. I think you can get by kind of in most places, like uh, especially Europe. English is just such a common second language, like was able to get by pretty easily with that. And I learned kind of, you know, as I was sort of country hopping, the first like uh, word or phrase I would kind of memorize in the language was like, excuse me. <laughs> um, and just oh, stuff like, like some of those uh, kind of pleasantries for, you know, if you bump into somebody on the street and get a dirty look, you can just kind of like bow your way out of trouble, like most of the time. And then, Anything beyond that, you can usually find someone that like speaks good enough English to kind of help you out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife and I were in Germany for for almost a week, and there's oh, a, nice. where were you? Where'd you go? Uh, we went to this. Um, uh, what was that? Kunzelsau. It was like okay. this like, kind of smallish town in this area. With I think it was about close to like an hour from Frankfurt or so. Um, okay. be beautiful area with, with really big hills. It kind of reminded me of the Black Hills area a little bit. 
Um, it was it was really really pretty. But um, there was yeah. one point where where we went for we were going for a walk, and so we just kept walking uphill because <laughs> we were just trying to get up into the hills. And there was this road that then turned into a, like gravel, and then turned into just kind of a path. And I was like, well, shit, in America, you know, there's private property everywhere and there's certain farmers to where if they just find a stranger walking in their field, they're going to greet you with a like a rifle. Oh, oh, you yeah. Know, yeah like, yeah. what are you doing here, boy? And it's like, uh. <laughs> and so yeah, I was like, I, I, I don't want to like, you know, have someone like giving me that sentence in German and me just being like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so it would sound so much more aggressive, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, and there was some guy in his backyard. And so I was like, oh, excuse me, sir. Can you tell me if it's okay to walk on this trail? And that guy didn't speak a lick of English and I didn't speak a lick of German. And so I I kept trying to, like, say it slower for him. And then eventually Uh their their son came outside and he was like, hey, what's the problem, man? And I was like, explained. He's like, oh, no, 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 you're good. There's no no guns like that in Germany. He's like, nobody's going to be pointing a rifle at you here, buddy. You're fine. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And so they're probably, that was their story. Being like, this fucking American was thinking someone was going to point a gun at him. Of course he was thinking that. <laughs> of course. Because Americans and their guns, right? That's our, right. That's our reputation. It's like, I want to um, do a peaceful hike in the woods, but I'm worried about the guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not the bears, the guns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but that that's something I was pretty impressed with over in Europe though, is just I mean, everybody was so super friendly kind and helpful. Um It was such a, I guess an they, amazing atmosphere there in Germany. Everybody was every morning you'd just walk people and they'd be like, Good morning and be like, Oh wow, this is this is so amazing. Even the TSA people were were friendly and yep. it was incredible. Or whatever yeah. they're called over yeah, there. <laughs> a great time in, in Germany. I hadn't planned on spending too much time there when I first went. Uh I just had a friend that was like getting his PhD over there. And so I was going to visit him for a bit and then spend most of the time in Italy. But I ended up doing it about 50 50 because, yeah, Germany is just a lot prettier than I thought it was going to be. And I just had so much fun kind of meeting people there and like meeting people at the hostels too. That's a blast. Just kind of other travelers from different countries. Like I met a lot of Australian people that I, loved like learned that australians are a blast um and yeah just lots of people from all sorts of different countries and it was cool to kind of just hear and share stories and like learn about all those nuances and differences so how does a hostel work because really the only thing i know about hostel is the movie hostel and that is not good marketing for that industry right no yeah which is why (laughs) terrified to sign up for right? i can only imagine um but no they're they're just like, like i'm not fucking anybody i don't care how hot they are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stay away from me temptress um <laughs> no. hostels are just they're kind of like more communal hotels like there's different options um at a lot of them like at a lot of hostels, you could just kind of get your own room, like if you wanted to, or there would be like multi bedrooms. Like I stayed in one where there was like two bunk beds, essentially, and you shared a, a, a room with like four people. Um, and I think there were like two bathrooms in the room. And then I stayed in one that was like more barrack style. There were like 20 kind of beds and mattresses. Um, and you oh, would just wow. kind of go in there. And yeah, so it depends on what you're looking for and kind of what your approach is. Like, the one that was barrack style, I stayed at that one when I was in Berlin. So, you know, 
I was out till like two in the morning drinking. <laughs> I just came back and crashed. So it was fine. You know, it didn't bother me to be around that many people. But um, yeah, I don't know if you're kind of more wanting peace and quiet, you could just elect for a more expensive room that's kind of less people. But uh, it's a really cheap way to travel. And they're all in these buildings with like communal areas. Um, like most of them had a bar that you could just go and kind of hang out and mingle with other people that were staying there. Um, and a lot of them like would put on events, you know, cause obviously they're like hosting tourists. So they'd be like, Oh, we're having a bar crawl like on Thursday and we'll kind of tour, show you local places or yeah. They just kind of all have their own sort of gimmicks, but um, it was a fun way to do it. Yeah. Not, like I could see, probably being able to do that like when i was in my 20s or something like that but mm-hmm. now in my 40s it's like no i'm, I'm gonna want my own room yeah <laughs> which is the more expensive way to travel unfortunately but you're right as you get older that's what you want to do and yeah i was in my 20s when i did this and i was traveling solo you know mm-hmm. i had been traveling with someone or just even kind of being older i don't know if it would fit the best <laughs> i remember one time uh, my wife and I went to the Red River Gorge to to rock climb, and it was over Thanksgiving holiday. And so we went to uh, Miguel's Pizza, which is like this kind of famous place in the, in the Red River Gorge. Them, yeah. yeah, they they make these really great pizzas you can get there, and they're all like custom order. You basically just go in and get like a card, and you just check off every single topping that you want on this little personal pizza. And they, they got like a wood-fired oven. It's fucking incredible. And then yeah, getting ale right eight now. with it, drinking it right out of glass. It's so good. Um, but yeah, the, every Thanksgiving, they put on like a legit Thanksgiving meal that is really fucking good. And and I, my wife and I, we put our order in and then we went down to like the like the the like communal kind of like wide open hangout area that's kind of like in the basement and just walking in down there. It just smelled like a bunch of dirty climbers. <laughs> And my wife and I sat there looking at each other for like five minutes. And I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to eat a meal in this fucking room. I'm like, we have yeah. to bail. Uh, <laughs> we've we've got some places up here like that for uh, where people kind of that are fresh off the ski hill kind of go. And you get that just sort of caked in sweat. Like once they're taking their gear off. Uh-huh. Uh, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because – well, and I think like every – Every like outdoor activity sport like that has got to have a group. Like with climbers, it's like the dirt bags that, you know, they live out of a van or a car and they just do odd jobs around the country as they travel and just kind of follow the sun for climbing. And I, and like skiing's got like the ski bums and surfing's got it and stuff too. So it is just kind of that, you know, like if you, if, if you're at a place in your life where you can live that lifestyle and you just want to chase that activity that you're doing. It's got to be super fun, but for me, it's like there's got to be a component of like Peter Pan syndrome in that too, right? Well, and (laughs) that's a really common phrase up here. Like a lot of my female friends talk about that a lot, like having trouble with, uh, you know, all the Peter Pans. Oh, yeah. Dating a guy that that should by all accounts be an adult, but is like refusing to act like an adult. And and on the one hand, it's like, hey, dude, if you can make your life work that way, then kudos to you. But eventually, yeah, someday, respect. it's going to get a lot harder if you try and then transition into raising a family and stuff. Unless you can figure out how to have your family live that way, too. It's going to be hard. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it depends on your goals for life, you know, and your goals for that phase of life. Like, 
I don't know. Yeah, there's part of me that almost regrets or wishes when I was a little younger, I dicked around more and kind of did did stuff like that. But you know, I think it's it's like you're saying. It's either at least up here, it's kind of either the ski bombs, like the people that are essentially that's just their life and that's what they put their very small amount of money into and they live for it. It's either those people up there on the hill or it's the really rich bougie motherfuckers that just have so much money, you know, that are up there. It's, it's kind of hard for people in the middle to like afford it a lot. Cause that, that shit's expensive. Oh, it sure is dude. When, like when I was just kind of curious about ice climbing and started looking into it, I'm like one ice axe is like $200. Like yeah. you need two of them and you need right. crampons to go on your boots. And then yeah. you need a bunch of layers of waterproof gear because you're yep. going to get soaking yep. wet while you do this. And then right away I was like, Oh fuck ice climbing. I'm never doing that. Yeah. And, <laughs> it looks and fun, I'm guessing it's, but it looks so expensive to get into and like skiing right. and stuff like that. Also, it's like that shit's not cheap to like get like legit equipment. Yeah. And I'm guessing with something like ice climbing, too, it's uh, not something you want to skip on the equipment for and buy the Walmart brand no. of the uh, ice pick. No, I mean, and that's when it comes down to, yeah, life-saving gear. Are you, are you going to buy yeah. that that Chinese carabiner that you found on, on Amazon that were $3 a piece? Or are you going to buy the CE-rated one that's made by a, re- a reparable company for $6 each? Yeah, yeah. Oh, decisions, yeah, that decisions. Shit go all <laughs> but yeah, a lot, a lot of these... Uh, Forms of recreation are just really, I don't know, kind of privileged in a way. No, they absolutely are because they, you either need to be in a part of the country where you have access to the natural resources that, that either give you that type of skiing or that sort of climbing or that sort of surfing, or you need to have enough wealth to where you can easily travel to those areas. Yep. And, 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 you know, that's why when people are like, oh, why don't you see very many black professional skiers? It's like, really? You fucking wonder that? Do you, do you think the inner city has lots of skiing programs? It's like, Jesus. <laughs> right. Like some, right. Some people. Yeah. <laughs> they just can't yeah. imagine the world that's outside their perspective. And it's like, yeah, it would be great. Like, like imagine, imagine how many more top athletes could be in those, you know, X Games type sports like that if that level of privilege wasn't there. It, it would probably be an entire different crop of names. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to like think about too. And and even just I don't know, like 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 how distanced from it I feel as a local too, because it's like a one day ski pass up there is like a hundred bucks, right? You know? Oh, and, yuck. And that's that's not even counting like your gear and You just want to go skiing one stuff. day and the ticket to get on yeah. that mountain and ride the lift and everything is a hundred dollars for a day pass? I want to say it's right around there. I'd like have to to look it up, you know, and that's um, fucking wild, dude. That is very it, expensive. Yeah. A season pass is like a little under a grand this year and it's actually like the cheapest it's been in a while. But yeah, like I think a lot of the people, you know, that I kind of see that frequent that are some of those rich out of staters that either moved up here or bought their second or third home like up here to do that kind of thing or like you're saying the ski bums that are like you know they're in college like they have the time and the money to waste um but yeah it's like it feels like a thing that a lot of you're just kind of like working class locals even yeah don't get to experience so much because it's like am i going to spend a hundred dollars on this or 
on the groceries to feed my kids kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I, I remember years ago I watched this climbing documentary and it featured this uh, Wyoming local climber named BJ Tilden, who was like a real mm-hmm. crusher. He could climb super fucking hard. And in the yeah. documentary, they were talking about how it, it's it's kind of wild that, that BJ does what he does because he's like a full-time carpenter. And like he has a full-time job and he's climbing on like 20-year-old quick draws. And he can still crush like just as hard as a lot of these young sponsored climbers. And it was pretty cool because he was That's it was cool. showing him working on projects in this area in Wyoming called Wild Iris, where it's like these fairly short but like really awesome limestone uh cliffs. And mm. dude, the the shit that this dude's climbing on, it's like mono pockets where he's just getting like a little bit of like a single fingertip in this tiny hole on this wall and it's slightly overhanging. Uh. And he's like pulling up and climbing through shit like that. Uh. My palms just started sweat like, <laughs> like as soon as you I that that shit gets me. Like I could not make it through the Hope Solo movie. Or no, the free solo movie. Dude, free like solo makes solo. my palms sweaty too. That, that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I've been watching Alex Honnold do that sort of shit since two thousand nine. Uh, I've got like a a DVD book that's just full of of climbing, basically climbing porn. And and Donald's in quite a bit of it. (laughs) Oh, no, that that one I was just like, no, no, thanks. Like, I'm I'm done. I'm tapping out of this this documentary. Yeah. No, that shit Uh, always makes me super uncomfortable. It it always makes my palms sweat whenever people are doing Because, you know, even though it's something that I've done quite a bit, like I've I've done like highball boulders and stuff without a rope. Where like you're definitely in a no fall zone where it's like, okay, if you fall here, you're probably gonna like break an ankle or a leg or something like that. So so don't fall. And every time I'm like having this conversation with why are you doing this? Why'd you put yourself in this position? (laughs) Who are you trying to prove something to? (laughs) Like you're a fucking moron. If you fall here and break your leg, you're a fucking moron. It's like like people, how'd you break your leg? By being a fucking moron. (laughs) Because my friend Alan said this is awesome and I gotta climb it. That's not a good excuse. I didn't need to do. (laughs) But to be in that position of like free solo, or you're you're doing something that's a three thousand foot wall. I mean, that's it's it's mind boggling. The the level of mental armor that that dude has is just next level. Eighty percent of that climb, probably more than that. Ninety five percent of that climb, right? Once you get above a certain height, it's uh, hey, you fuck up, you're dead. Yes. no second chances, no backup. Like once he's above a certain height, I'm guessing it's uh, you fuck up, you're dead. Yeah, but to tell you the oh, truth, I'd, uh, I'd much rather fall without a rope from a thousand feet than from thirty feet. Because at least from a thousand feet, like I'm dead on impact. From thirty feet, sure. you might just break your back and lay there and like aspirate on your own blood for tw- uh-huh. ten, twenty minutes. Like that sounds yeah. terrible. No, I actually went to a local presentation that that had a speaker. Um, it was in just a, a pretty kind of fucked climbing accident, and uh, you know she survived, but was in a wheelchair. But it was, um, I think she fell like a piece of rock had broken off, and she fell, and then the rock fell on top of her. Oh uh, no! My memory, uh, is right, and you know it's like a secluded area, so I had to wait like hours you know to get life flighted out of there and shit and yeah it's it's just like that's the kind of stuff where i'm like 
it's like you said, you know, skydiving, if that shit went wrong, okay, I'm just fucking dead. Like, <laughs> yep, good night. <laughs> there, there's about a really bad 20 seconds um, when I'm up in the air and like, I don't know, praying to every deity, trying to get into as many heavens as I can, and then uh, I'm dead. <laughs> but like lying there for just hours in pain and thinking about shit. Are you there, God? It's me, Leo. I know this is my right. fault, and we don't have much time. <laughs> right. Do you remember the, uh, I think it's the mummy when his, like, his shady friend, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Benny, he's getting approached by the mummy and he's just alternating between all the, like, the symbols of different religions and praying in different languages. He has languages. a pendant around his neck for each one and he has to shift through <laughs> yeah. them to figure out the right yeah. prayer. Yeah, that's classic. That's so funny to me. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna cover all my bases here. <laughs> And it makes sense for that character too, because he knew he knew exactly where they were going. And so yeah. He's like, I'm gonna fucking cover my bases if I'm going back to the city worked. of the dead. It worked. <laughs> that movie's so fucking brilliant, dude. That first mummy movie uh, is just perfect. God, dude. Um Yeah, it really it's been forever since I've seen it, but um yeah i remember nothing but good things oh, I, I rewatched it sometime in the last year with my kids because they'd never seen it before they thought it was pretty cool that would that would be a good one to add to my my halloween list actually um yeah i've been like all october just kind of cruising through just like horror movies or halloween themed movies to kind of get in the spirit of things um so if you have any recommendations feel free to throw them out but <laughs> well my wife and i watched halloween ends last night and I would not recommend that one. It was a fucking total toss it. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so bad. Like bad in what sense? It was just a very shit plot. Michael Myers wasn't hardly in it at all. Um, what? It was, it was, it was just, it was kind of boring. And like oh, Halloween what? kills was terrible because it was like so I... over the top in my opinion. Yeah. And Halloween ends was terrible because it didn't go near far enough. And what it gave you was, was kind of boring. And it also did one of the tricks that I feel like lots of modern horror movies are starting to do where it's like all the victims that get killed as the viewer, the way that these victims were presented to you when you first met them in the movie, you wanted them to die anyway. So it's like, Oh, now it's kind of satisfying to watch these, these characters. I didn't like die, but it's yeah. like, is, is that what you're really trying to do in a horror movie? Because in my opinion, it's like you should empathize with these people and not want them to die because that makes it scarier. Not, not like you're cheering like, yeah, when when like you're a piece of shit. I wanted you to get stabbed in the face. So, yeah, yeah. it was it was kind of bad. <laughs> I was okay. not impressed with well, it. I'll keep that one off the list then. But well, considering how good, you know, like not the original Halloween, that one's awesome, you know, unimpeachable. But then the re-release that they also titled Halloween, that one was pretty good. And so I was really excited going into Halloween Kills, and man, that thing jumps the shark in the third act. It absolutely jumps the shark, and then See, and then yeah, yeah. I saw the first, uh, I guess this new trilogy we'll call it the, the Danny McBride one. I, I saw that first one in theaters like around Halloween, just high as shit, um, and it was a, it was a good experience. <laughs> watch that movie but i never saw that the halloween kills and i i just kind of didn't hear much about it but i guess that makes sense that's probably why okay so the thing that's ridiculous i'm gonna spoil a little bit of halloween kills that's here fine. that's that's fine that's fine so towards yeah. the end of the movie like there's a whole 
like a whole bunch of the townsfolk get all riled up by like one of the kids that from the original movie that Lori was babysitting, you know, she was babysitting that little boy. Well, Halloween kills. He's now a a grown adult and it's played by, was it Michael Anthony Hall, Anthony Michael Hall, something like that, whatever his name is. And, um, that dude like gets all the people in the town all riled up with this big speech saying evil dies tonight. And so then there's like a whole group of like basically vigilantes that go out and find Michael Myers on the street. And like, there's one woman that has a fucking iron in her hand, like an iron for ironing clothes. That's the weapon she chose to bow. I'm sure there's a guy with a putter. There's somebody else that actually has a revolver that like can't fucking shoot anything for shit. But like, there's only one person with a gun though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so this whole crowd of people like beat the shit out of him. Michael Myers, and somehow he gets the upper hand and he fucking kills every single one of them. Even the one with the gun. And it's like, oh my god, this is fucking ridiculous. Get out of here. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> But there was other, like, that the movie started out good, just ended terribly. And and that's a, whole, that's a metaphor for that entire Danny McBride trilogy. Starts great, ends terribly. <laughs> Alright, well... <laughs> a sales pitch for it but i don't think it's gonna make it on the list for this month <laughs> yeah i i would put it off i mean unless you have peacock and you can just watch it and it's not really gonna cost you anything extra but it's definitely not one i would go see in the theater unless you just feel like burning your fucking money <laughs> what's your what's your favorite what's your favorite horror movie or halloween movie either one uh, I'm a real sucker for haunted house movies, especially ones where people get like trapped in the house. And so okay. I, I've got like those sorts of movies have just a special place in my heart. And so they're not really even considered good horror movies, but I just love them for that. And so like the house on haunted Hill okay. is like a, a favorite of mine, like a, a comfort food type scary movie. And, uh, comfort there was, food scary movie. <laughs> There was a uh, a made for it was like a TV miniseries based off a Stephen King book called Rose Red, and I like that one too. And that's that same thing happens where all these people go in this haunted house and then the doors shut themselves, and like these people can't even like taking like pool cues and like blasting them against windows, they can't break the windows and get out. So I, I have a recommendation for you then. Oh please, this is the thing you like. Have you ever seen Grave Encounters? No, never even heard of it. Okay. So, I mean, I hadn't either until a friend made me watch it, but it's kind of like found footage style, but it's same concept, like people trapped in a place, right? So it's about this uh, documentary crew. They're like one of those TV ghost hunter crews, right? And they, you know, they've never actually found ghosts before and they like kind of rig stuff normally. Uh, But they go into this asylum, this mental asylum that's been shut down for forever, you know? Oh, I'm already and, in because abandoned yep. mental asylum shit is fucking definitely oh, creepy. <laughs> this is, it It blew like paranormal activity out of the water even for me. Um, so yeah, they get, they have their crew lock them in this and I'll I'll say this one part just to just kind of entice you a bit but it's, it's a little deep into the movie so it's kind of a spoiler but scary shit's already started happening, you know, they've realized that like holy shit, ghosts are real. We're like stuck here with them. They're trying to break out, you know, the door that's been chained from the outside by their crew. Um, it won't work. So they like wait until the designated hour that the crew's supposed to like let them out. It doesn't happen. You know, a few hours pass, doesn't happen. They finally break through the door. And when they break through, you know, and this is the door to the lobby, right? Mm-hmm. 
they don't get outside. They get in an exact mirror room of the lobby. Um, it's it's just the most trippy thing. But it's like it was supposed to be the door leading outside, and it's just a mirror version of the room they were already in. Oh um, shit! <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. it's like yeah, and I I just remember at that point in the movie being like, oh fuck, there's like literally no way out of this haunted house for them, <laughs> and yeah. So right on par with your theme there. Wow. Well, it's streaming on lots of different services right now. It looks like it's streaming on Plex and on Pluto TV, on Crackle. Yeah. Redbox, Tubi. You can watch it for free on Vudu with ads and it's on AMC Plus. So yeah, it's all over the place right now. It's one I've only seen once and I'm like, I don't know if if I'll go back to it. Like it once might have been enough. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, that's my wife's like favorite genre of movies, like horror and thrillers and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll suggest that to her and watch it. And yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, let let me know what you think. Like, message me and and tell me what you think because it's it's also been like ten years. So hopefully, it still holds up. (laughs) Well, it isn't like the two movies that I immediately listed when you asked for favorites were like classics. (laughs) <laughs> There's people out there that are like House on Haunted Hill and Rose Red. Really? Those are what you came up with, Stark? And it's like, hey, I was on the spot. <laughs> it's like, but I I love I love that concept of people like going into a haunted house and then the haunted house being like, Oh, now you've decided you want to leave, I'm not gonna let you. Fuck that. You're here. Like that's terrifying to me. That the, the it, place it, itself it won't let you leave. That that breaks through to where I feel like actually afraid. Like I can fuck with kind of most horror movie concepts, right? Like if it's, if it's an actual real life killer, I'm like, okay, a human's just a human, you know, that's not too scary. If it's a monster, I'm like monsters and shit. They're not real. That's not too scary. If we get to ghosts or demons, I believe in it just enough (laughs) for it to be scary. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I believe in it just enough to not fuck with it and find out. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I also know I could not. Uh, yeah, you can't really fight a ghost or a demon. So no. <laughs> yeah, possession stuff is always really freaky to me too. Oh fuck that! Because it's like it's like why why mess with it? Like when I was younger, my sister was always obsessed with fucking around with the Ouija board. I'm always like, why? I don't even like having this thing in our house. I don't care if it came from fucking Parker <laughs> Brothers or Milton Bradley. It's still freaky. Yeah. 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 No, no, thank you. I'm like, consider myself mostly a, a, a man of science, but, uh, I don't know. Why, why fuck with it? You know? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, if, if you ask me right now, like, do you abs- do you believe in this stuff? It's like, well, there's there, I, I tend to be more of a man of science too, where it's like, well, there hasn't been any really empirical proof of it, but you know, I I don't want to be the one that's obstinately walking around the haunted house going, no, none of this is real. <laughs> and then you get like, <laughs> and then yeah. bad shit happens. You know, that's a bad look. I'm not about to be the empirical proof. Is <laughs> what I'll say. <laughs> Where it's like, it's like you know why? Well, why even mess with it? You know, it's like it can be. It's like Schrodinger's ghost for all I care. <laughs> it's like it's like it might be in the box. It might not. I'm not going to be the one that's going to open it to find out. Like I I just. I don't want to go in there. Like the whole abandoned places, like going into an abandoned mental hospital. Um, no, it's a great storyline for me, but would I ever do it? Would I ever like go on like a haunted tour of like an old sanitarium or something like that? No, fuck that. That's I, why even mess around and, and be the one to find out. Yeah. And 
and it's like crazy. Like I have, I'm thinking of one friend in particular and, and she's like very rational, you know, very smart, like put together type A. Like I, I, I wouldn't have kind of expected this, but I, I, I think I made like, I don't know, a snide comment about believing in ghosts or something at one point, And she was like, no, let, let me tell you something. And it was just like hearing from like someone like that, you know, that's like, I've had an experience and I now fucking believe in ghosts when they're like, kind of like us, you know, more empirical kind of thinking. And, and so that fucks with me a little bit too. Like when you hear it from certain people. Ooh, what was like, her story? Um, I almost have to look it up, but I think it was on like a ghost tour or something, but it was like actually seeing something in a mirror and, and feeling something. Oh, fuck that. She had, yeah. She had like her mother there with her who saw the same thing, felt the same thing. You know, they turned around, there was no one there and they're like, nope, fuck this. Like that's what the fuck. Dude, that just gave me full body chills. Like I have yeah. fucking goosebumps on both my arms. Right yeah. <laughs> the thought of looking into a mirror and having like the old horror movie trope of all of a sudden there's like something else in the mirror with you. Like, Oh no, 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 no. Th- that would almost make me want to like go around with like towels and cover every single mirror in my house. <laughs> yeah. Like that, uh, watch supernatural no no but but i'm kind of familiar with the concept yeah well they they have a bloody mary episode which is like so supernatural's first two seasons was like legit scary there was some scary stuff in there and and, uh bloody mary was one they did early on and that episode is like fucking i could not look in a reflective surface like after (laughs) that episode for like the rest of the night um like, that's one that I feel like you kind of hear as a kid, the old Bloody Mary myth, and it just fucking, like, stays with you. Oh, you yeah. Know? That was another one of those things where even when I was a kid, I was like, I'm not trying this. Because why be the one to find out and, and have right. it be bad, you know? It's, like, almost embarrassing. But even as a grown-ass man, if someone was like, hey, I'll pay you $30 to go lock yourself in the bathroom, turn off the lights, and do that shit, I'd be like, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. Because I don't believe in it, but not worth thirty dollars to me. Well, and and then what? What if this is the story where where it's like, okay, you go and do it. Nothing happens at the party. You collect your money or have, you know, ha ha. Okay, but then mysteriously, no. you just wake up at three in the morning to take a piss. No, and you get done peeing, and you just happen to look in the mirror, and you're not alone in your bathroom at three in the morning in the fucking witching hour. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> And getting me mid piss too. That's like another piece of mine. <laughs> no, that scenario just described my palms are fucking sweating again. Like that whole thing too. For some reason, that's so much scarier. Like if it happens at the time of, I don't know, fucked up, but whatever. But that whole lingering thing and like getting sucker punched by it later. Nope. Don't like that. No, that was why the movie, the grudge scared me so bad when it first came out. I remember you talking about that on the last episode. Yeah. That was that was funny. Dude, cuz at that time like I had a job where I was just constantly going into different like very big like opulent houses and and shit and I would be in there for a while. Sometimes it would just be like, "Hey, here's the code to get into the security thing. Nobody's home. These are the the, you know, the you're doing the whole south side of the house. Have at it." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, no, that movie was too much." Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're just going after the cable guy <laughs> the fucking poor cable guy he just came in to give them hbo and you're gonna go like fucking haunt him in his own shitty apartment now that's fucking terrifying but the cable guy is totally an example of someone that would die like early on in a horror movie like 
first one to three deaths. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I'm just gonna have to go run these cables through your crawl space. That'll be okay. <laughs> oh, the fucking crawl space or like fine spaces. Uh, did you ever see the descent? No, I've heard that one's really fucking freaky. That's where they find some like weird like chud type things underground, right? I'm not familiar with that term, chud type. Chud cannibal. It's a movie from the 80s, cannibalistic humanoid <laughs> underground dwellers or something like that. <laughs> well, that is correct, then. Yes, that is what they find. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's a really good movie, actually. Um, I think I might even have a different cut of it, so I'm not even sure of what the theatrical release kind of and how that ended. But uh, yeah, it's super good. It's like all-female cast. They're like underground spelunking and yeah they encounter these like albino fucking zombie people that have been trapped there forever oh god that's what was it it was on let's see because we've gone to a different park hiking every day this week so i think it was on wednesday we went to a park that had a cave where it was a fairly large cave and then it had like a kind of a a narrow spot where you'd have to squeeze through to get yep. and then it like kind of went through like a little tunnel area and then opened up into another big room. Yeah. And and so I just turned the flashlight on my phone, wiggled through that area and went all the way back and then talked my kids into coming back with me. But then I That's had awesome. that thought in there of oh <laughs> fuck, why did I go into a cave? <laughs> yeah. I I might fuck around and find out and then when we got back far <laughs> enough and it just ended it like a another room. I was like, okay, there's no more tunnels going off into darkness. Right. Good. So now so I'm only worried like, about a cave-in. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to get tempted by that curiosity to keep going further. Dude, um, there, there was one time where, where me and my buddy Troy were out rock climbing. and Or no, we were bolting new sport routes. And then we went exploring a little bit. And we found this cave at the base of a wall. And we went in. And it was like there was a big hole in the floor. And it dropped down probably about three or four feet to mm-hmm. another flat surface. And then it looked like below that was like, it basically looked like giant steps just descending down into darkness. Yeah. Like imagine if you were like, you know, like, like in a fairy tale and you, and you like went up the beanstalk to the giant's house and you had to climb up the steps to get into his front door. Like that's what these steps would have been like, like fucking giant. And like, he went down one or two of them and like shining his headlamp down and it just kept going and it was into darkness. And I'm like, I'm not fucking even going on the first step down there. Like I'm getting the fuck out of this hole in the ground. This is terrifying. Now that sounds like a fucking horror movie kind of thing right there. Oh, totally. Uh, It was a total setup for it too. Nobody knew who the fuck we were. Nobody knew that, (laughs) that we then left this area, you know, where we were bolting routes and then went further up river and found a cave and went into it. So it was like, dude, nobody would ever find us. The fact that we found this cave was astounding because you literally had to be within 10 feet of the wall to even see the entrance to the cave. You were the smart guy in the horror movie. <laughs> Turn back. Well, I'm, yeah, caves scare the shit out of me, dude. I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm usually the last one to want to go into a cave. Huh. You know, um, so, so one place you should visit if you do come up here. Um, so this is my summer job in college, but I was a tour guide at the, uh, the Lewis and Clark caverns. Oh, I love those sorts of caves because uh, we've done the Cave of the Winds in Colorado Springs. My wife and I did it on our wedding anniversary or on our wedding uh, honeymoon in 2005. And then we just did it again in like maybe 2021. Nice. Fuck. Yeah. It, w- it wasn't too long ago that we did our Colorado trip, but we went and did it again. And that, that cave was, or that, that whole guided 
hike everything. It was just so cool. Like the the person that was doing that that presentation, I almost wanted to like go up and be like, dude, your personality's awesome and you're an easy talker. You should totally come on my podcast, but I chickened out. Yeah. <laughs> but what was Those your places, what was your cave thing like up there? Um I mean it's it's just a blast. Like it's uh so it's a pretty decorative cave, you know, it's got like a lot of kind of cool cave formations. Um, and it's sort of different from like, I've been to uh wind cave and jewel cave in and either North or South Dakota, like, and I remember just like, yeah, the, the Lewis and Clark caverns caves, they have like a lot more of just the different types of formations and kind of more specifically, like my experience being a tour guide, I think is, I mean, it was like my first kind of real job, you know, of being like 40 hours a week. So like that was draining, but kind of in retrospect, I'm like, that was a good fucking job. You know, it was fun. Um, you got to enjoy yourself. And off hours, we would have the opportunity to like do a little bit of spelunking and kind of the uh, the non-tour areas of the cave. So that's like the one time I've kind of had some similar experience of going into those places and like, you know, being in such like a tight crawl space that... Like there was one point I thought I was like stuck and, you know, you kind of have to do this thing of like exhaling all the air from your body just to get your like chest cavity to sort of decrease another half an inch or something. So you can, like wiggle forward another inch or two. Oh, I hate was, that. Yeah. That kind of crawl space. <laughs> I hate the whole where, thought of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And it was like you. I like felt the like panic attack kind of coming on and had to like <laughs> real time. Sort of, I think my logic for talking myself through it was like, hey, motherfucker, that is going to be the least helpful thing that you could do right now. Oh, so yeah. like, uh, almost like a Captain America, like, just don't, like, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> just don't. Like, I was like, son, just don't. <laughs> and like, like, what do you need to do here? It's like, make your body a little smaller, do it one inch at a time don't panic and like waste air kind of thing. And yeah, and it was more just one stretch of it than, than you got through. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a blast working there. Like those kinds of places, I think just kind of park crews can be a, a lot of fun, just the type of people you get working up there. So that was probably the best part of the job. So how did you describe the difference between stalactites and stalagmites to the, the people on the tour? Ah, uh, there, there's a couple of different ways, you know, and I'd switch it up. Um, stalactite is spelled with a C for ceiling. Stalagmite spelled with a G for ground. Ooh, I haven't I heard that, that one. one. I like that one. I prefer that one because I bet the one you've heard is like the really common and it just makes me cringe staying, saying it. But stalactites hang tight to the ceiling and stalagmites might one day reach the ceiling kind of thing. Oh, I always heard That's- it stalagmite. You might trip over it. <laughs> oh okay there you go but yeah it holds tight to the ceiling and i'm like okay does the other one not hold tight to the ground (laughs) might you hit your head on the one from the ceiling like this this and so that's why i like the way you said stalactite with a c stalactite with a g yeah that's great then it then it helps people with their spelling too which (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) we're helping you in multiple ways people (laughs) But when you make yeah, your Facebook like, post about this later, maybe you'll spell it correctly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, and dealing with the public is always like such a fucking interesting thing, too, because you get some people that are great and some people that are just absolute like jackasses. But 
there's a lot of cool stories from kind of that job and like you know you'd have like staff games or kind of staff pranks that you would do to kind of spice up the day you know shake things up um no that's that's the kind of job where like if it actually like paid a living wage like i wouldn't fucking mind doing something like that for the rest of my life oh yeah that'd be a job i'd be great at like oh just go and talk to strangers about about facts (laughs) do that several times a day yeah it'd be a while before i got bored with that yeah oh i i must admit though like because i and keep in mind you know i worked there from like the ages of 18 to 22 so i was like (laughs) perfect more full of myself and had, had more flaws but um yeah, I love talking about the science and the facts with people too, but I had this bad habit of if somebody asked me a question and I didn't know the answer to it, uh, fuck if I was going to admit that, Joe. Um, and I would make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> it's an entertaining quality in a tour guide, but not not the best. Which I'm now admitting on air that I used to do. It's terrible publicity for this place. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I think my, my best one, um, <laughs> I got to tell this story, but, uh, you know, cause you're expected to be familiar with kind of, you know, just the local foliage and wildlife, which, which for like the most part I was, um, but kind of walking around the park and this lady stops me at one point and, and she sees just kind of this bird like chilling off to the side. Um, and she asked me, she says, do you know what type of bird, you know, that is? And I didn't fucking know. Um, but again, 19 years old, too, too proud and full of myself to, to just admit that. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to name a bird, you know, and give her an answer because she's not going to know the difference. Right. Um, and so I just say the first bird that comes to my mind, uh, which was turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not a fucking turkey. <laughs> no, it's a little one. This is a pygmy turkey. <laughs> Turns out it was a grouse, uh, just to kind of show you on that, but to give you something clear, it was a fucking grouse. Which is like a small, that. small, small chicken. <laughs> and it's fucking not a turkey, right? And I say, but I'm like, oh, that's a turkey. And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, that is the worst answer I could have given. And the lady, like, looks at me, like, with kind of an eye-rolly look, like, really? Um, and now is where most reasonable people, you know, would just admit, like, like, oh, that was a joke, and now I'm going to, you know, tell you that I don't know. Um, that is not what I did. I doubled I, down. <laughs> I doubled <laughs> fucking down. And my response was, <laughs> well, ma'am, you know, uh, contrary to common belief, there are actually several different species of turkey that most people don't know about. This is an example of the West Canadian mountain turkey. Um, which usually doesn't fly this far south on um, this time of year, but you happen to be seeing one today, and that's pretty amazing. I mean, just the most bullshit <laughs> fucking kind of, like, answer. And she's like, wow, like, oh, like, and engaging with it and seems to fucking believe it and finally goes and walks off. And I just look over my shoulder, and there's, like, a more senior tour guy that's just, like, leaning up against kind of the visitor center, staring at me as I'm doing this. <laughs> and the lady walks away. He's fucking shaking his head at me. And he's like, you know that was a grouse, right? And I just snapped my fingers, and I said, I do now. <laughs> and I walked off. But, yeah, moral of the story, don't always uh, believe what your tour guide tells you. Google it. <laughs> yeah dude the cave that we went through they were talking about how 
when they first started doing tours of this cave. And like, granted, we're like walking on like a cement, like nice flat poured cement surface. And like the, the roof of the cave was, you know, maybe, maybe right at head height or so. And they were like, yeah, the first time the, or when this cave tours were originally being done in the 1800s after this cave was discovered, it would take, and you know, it had taken us maybe 10 minutes to get to this point of this cave. They were like, it would take guests five hours to get to this point. And this chamber here was only a foot of clearance. And so you would be crawling through this, you know, with that ceiling, you know, just a foot above you, pushing like a flame, like a lantern with an open flame in it ahead of you yeah. along the way. Yeah. And they're like, but, you know, it's since been, this has all been dug out and, you know, they, they, because it was like the whole floor of this cave was just filled with dirt. And so there was only like a foot of clearance, but then they dug it all out and not like, oh, this is actually a pretty decent sized chamber. And yeah. Shit like that. I'm the thought of it doing that sort of cave exploring and spelunking just scares the shit out of me. Yeah, the, the history of that stuff is like like so cool though, I think. And just yeah, how they used to do that exploring in those tours. Well, what, can you what, imagine exploring a cave in the eighteen hundreds with a fucking like lantern with a fucking yeah. flame in it? Yeah. They uh we actually used to do um these sort of special tours around Christmas um where they would take you through or well we would take people through them with just lantern light uh we wouldn't turn on kind of the regular lights of the caves um and they were pretty cool like yeah you couldn't see for shit um for the most part but (laughs) it's a cool way to do it yeah at one point they had this they showed us this like circular hole that was like way up in the ceiling of this chamber and there's like this old desiccated a rope ladder that was hanging down from the top of it. And they were saying that this is where the original tour ended and you would have to climb out up through here, through here. And then they showed all these black circles on the ceiling around the hole. And they were like, that's where people would push their torches up into the ceiling of the cave to put them out on the way up. And then they pointed to a whole bunch of broken off stalactites. And it's like, and that's where they were told to break off a stalactite and take it with them as a souvenir. Yep. And it was like, yeah. oh my god, that is so wild. Caves had that too. Like, there's this uh, room on the tour. It's called the Sample Room, which is where the guy that I guess had first fucking founded it, he would be like, yeah, break off something and take it as a souvenir. And just, yeah, what they didn't know back in those days, obviously, is how long that shit takes to grow. And even like a hundred years later, you can see it like hasn't repaired at all from where they damaged it. The the craziest fact that I remember from that cave tour <clears throat> was being told that you shouldn't even touch anything in the cave because yep, just the just the oil from your fingertips will make it so those stalactites don't grow any longer. Yep, yeah. The oil clings to it, and then when water goes to hit the oil, just slides right off. So yep, the and water, the, the minerals in that deposit yep. of water. Yeah, because... The way that I understand exactly. stalactites form is that it it starts as just a low spot on the on the roof of a cave where water will pool, form into yep. a droplet, and then all the minerals that are in that water will bond to the rock, and then the water will drip off, and then that is exactly it that. happens yep. over and over and over again for thousands or millions of years, and that's how you get these giant caves because the rock inside caves is actual living stone. But yeah, yeah. as soon as you touch it with those oils on your fingertips. That doesn't happen anymore. Those minerals yeah. stay with the drop and they just drop to the floor. 
Yeah, so that's you right. Can, you can literally kill a cave by touching it just with your open fingers. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, every cave and, and even rooms within the same cave system can be different. But if my memory is right, I want to say ours was like stalactites and stalagmites. They would grow one cubic centimeter every 1,000 years, if that's right. And then there was like a really fast growth rate room where it was actually like one cubic centimeter every 10. And you could actually see where stuff had begun to rebuild since like the 50s um but that was like kind of a rare sort of room that just due to the water flow had like super growth that was gonna be my guess was just because the flow of water to that room or or perhaps the the water seeping through this area is just heavier in mineral content or something i think humidity too did a lot because the water would circulate yeah that's what it was there was a humidity higher humidity concentration and then i think the water would sort of circulate and it would like grab more minerals from the ceiling um, that's fascinating. So yeah, I think a mix of all that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm like getting excited talking about it. I, I, I <laughs> talked about that. I love geology. Years, it's so. so much fun. Oh, because that's like the truth yeah. of the planet. You know, is that these oh, incredibly yeah. mind-bogglingly slow rates, uh, or, or you know, just long, incredibly long timescales of things that happen very, very, very slowly. But it's an inexorable process. It just keeps going. And geologic timescales are just fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, I think I developed such an appreciation for it, too. Like, being, you know, around it so long. I don't know. Yeah, and just the more you learn about something, the the stronger an appreciation and kind of connection you, you get to it. And so there was like, yeah, almost a, a sense of pride. Like I think even talking to you, I've been referring to it as like our cave kind of, which, which was a pretty common thing nice. sort of amongst the guides. Um, but yeah, cool spot. You should visit it if you're uh, up in the area. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause we're, we're going to make it to Montana sometime. You, that was, you said it was the Lewis and Clark cave. Yeah. The Lewis and Clark caverns. Uh, located um not too far from bozeman actually so if you're you're planning on hitting up yellowstone like it's uh it's pretty doable sweet yeah yellowstone's one of those crazy places where it it almost freaks me out to go there because it's it's essentially the mouth of a super volcano like you're just like oh yeah in the caldera of a mass super massive (laughs) volcano (laughs) and you just gotta not think about it man you You just just gotta gotta not not think about about it I am I am fucking dead so quick if that thing ever uh, goes off. Oh, for sure, right? I mean, yeah. like I think the last documentary I saw on it said that if it were to pop off as big as the last time it did, it's has the potential to cover the entire continental United States with a foot of ash. Yep. It's like, oh no, that's that's a like super massive volcanoes. Like an eruption from one of those is like almost. So, I mean, it would, it would be something that could potentially send the earth into like an ice age where it would put so yeah. much ash and particulate into the sky yeah. that we might have like a Game of Thrones style winter that lasts for oh. several years. Yeah. And Yellowstone has that potential. Um, and I think, honestly, I'd rather live closer to it because I'm going to be dead before I even know what's happening. Like, <laughs> y'all motherfuckers around the rest of the country are going to be hearing about it on the news and just waiting for that ash cloud to like fucking drain everything away i'll be dead by then 
Yeah, no shit. I mean, because for sure, I mean, if we were to have something like that happen, I mean, just looking at how much COVID disrupted things, if it were like something like a a global disaster like that, dude, for sure, society is going to break down fast. And and you're almost gonna want to die in the initial <laughs> fucking bad thing happening, yeah. to, so that you don't have to stick around for the roving bands of cannibals and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, did you ever watch This Is the End? Uh, speaking of Danny McBride, uh, no, I've not seen that one. Oh, yeah. So like Seth Rogen movie, but uh, Danny McBride's character becomes a cannibal by the end of it. So. That's the one just where like the apocalypse happens, right? Yep. yep okay, I remember exactly. seeing the trailers for it. I just never saw the movie. Yeah, they make lots of jokes about like roving bands of cannibals, and then by the end of it, he uh, is one. <laughs> Classic. <Yeah. laughs> I don't care how starving I get. I will never eat long pork. Fuck that. <laughs> long pork. Uh yeah. That's uh. I think that's also like I first heard that term in Supernatural. Yeah. They called it Long Pig. Ugh. Uh, yeah. God, did they have a, like a Wendigo episode or something? Yeah. Actually, the Wendigo episode is the second episode of Supernatural, um, which they do talk about. But no, uh, I think at some point they they face off. It's like regular people cannibals. Like they think they're after monsters, but it turns out to be like regular people. And that's the whole thing theme of the episode. Like, oh, the the people are the monsters in Ugh. this case. Thing. Um, I don't know. There's also like eight thousand episodes of Supernatural, so I could be getting fucking mixed up. Isn't that one of those shows that went for like twenty seasons or something? Fifteen, yes, sir. Damn, yeah, that's a lot of TV. And is it like the like the twenty three, twenty four episode count seasons? Oh, yeah, it's a fucking CW show, man. It's <laughs> they, say no more. Those are not great seasons. Um, I will say though, and I, I still hold to this: seasons one through five of that show are. I, I count that as one of my all-time favorite shows. Like everything after season five is a bit different because the main showrunner showrunner of it, uh, he had like a overarching story envisioned. For seasons one through five and once he finished he left and they just kind of kept going without him but if you are to just watch it know that you could watch seasons one through five and if you end it it's got like a perfect beautiful ending um and you could just theoretically ignore the rest oh nice that's kind of wild that oh yeah it goes for 15 seasons but you can call it good at five <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's just a cast and crew enjoyed each other so much and then the studio, of course, is like, well, yeah, it's making us money. You can go however long you want. And then just the rest of the cast and crew is like, we want to keep going. Kind well, that's fun. really cool. Because yeah. it's a uh, guy that like created and ran it, Eric Kripke. He's the same creator showrunner of The Boys. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, yeah, they just had Jensen Ackles on, on that as Soldier Boy. And he was fucking fantastic. Dude, tell me about it. That might have been the first thing I ever saw him in since I never saw I never watched Supernatural, but I thought he was amazing in that role. Yeah. He he's actually a really talented actor, you know, and he he only gets so much of a chance to like flex his range in Supernatural. But yeah, in Soldier Boy, um season three fucked me up, man. Like some of the stuff that happened in that, like it's I think The Boys is the best show that is currently on television now, in my opinion. 
Yeah, it's definitely up there. Every season, it just keeps getting better, and that's that's rare for right. shows to do that. Usually, right. it's like season one or or season two will be their shining star, but to have them, I mean, because season one is still very good, and then season yes, two is better, and then season three is even better, and so, yeah. man, as showrunners, maybe that almost makes yeah. you nervous going into season four, but I mean, you've got such a rich tapestry you can play with, with that yeah. universe, and then with the fact that it's like they're not really so much going by the source material as they're just yeah. they're mimicking the tone of the source material and then the way that they can write it and cover in stuff from like the the actual zeitgeist of what's going on right now in the world they're able to make this brilliant oh satire with it and so if they yeah. keep following that formula i don't see why the show can't continue to be really good yeah it's done nothing but impress me and i think you know, I've even heard stuff online, and I haven't read the graphic novels myself. Have you? Yes. The majority of them are really good. I would say all the way up until the final arc. The final arc is is a real downer, shitty way to land the series, though I understand okay. why Garth Ennis wrote it the way he did and finished it the way he did. I totally understand it. Okay. I was just, okay. you know, it's like you, you read huh. so many issues of a comic book and then get to an ending yeah. where it's like, oh, that's... That's a downer <laughs> for a book that I, didn't have very many downer moments yeah. in it. You know, it had lots of shocking right. moments in it and stuff. But yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. And it's interesting just because I feel like this is a rare example. But all the chatter uh, I see online is like. People that are big fans of the source material still love the show. And like some of them will say oh, it's even an improvement on the source material or some will say, oh, it's completely different, but we still love it. And usually in fandoms, you get those like hyper nerds that are like, ah, fuck this change, you know, and fuck this like rendition of it. <laughs> um, but this is like one of the rare examples where people are like, no, we like what they're doing with the show. And if you can fucking satisfy fans like in that way, like, holy shit, you know. Yeah, some of the biggest complaints I I heard from from my um you know people in my friends group that were huge fans of the comics were they didn't like the the in the show they the boys weren't on V because in the comic that's they're they're all on it I think in maybe the first or second issue yeah like Butcher surprises he like basically hits Huey with a dose of V by surprise I think yeah. Huey's like tying down in like the back of a van or it's like he's bending down the back of a van to tie his shoes or some shit and butcher oh, shit. just like hits him in the neck with a, like a <laughs> like an injection gun and he was like what the fuck was that interesting so they yeah they just got to that in season three which i remember seeing the trailers and being like oh i don't like that they're doing this like i like that the boys were you know powerless and trying to beat the soups that way. But uh, the way that they did the like tempt me in the season, I, as soon as they started doing it, I was like, okay, that makes 100% sense. Like you got here organically. It makes sense why Vought was creating this product. It makes sense how the boys were able to acquire it and obviously why they would fucking use it. Um, so yeah, just the way that the show did it, I was like, even though I had reservations, I was like, that, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because in the comic, also, like, the V that they get, it it doesn't, like, it doesn't give them, like, specific powers. Like, like how in the show, Huey's able to teleport, oh. and, and Butcher's basically has the same powers as Homelander. It's That's like, in, Homelander, yeah. in, in the book, it, it's more like V 
is more like makes them all like Captain America. You know, where they're just bigger, stronger, faster, hardier. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And like I like the, the first time Huey gets in a fight, this is kind of a spoiler from the book, but the first yeah. time he gets in a fight with like some soups after getting the hit with that V, he punches a hole through a, a soup's chest and kills him with his yeah. bare fist. And the, all the other boys are like, what'd you do that for, Huey? You're not supposed to hit him that hard. And it's like, he didn't even know what the fuck he was doing. You guys hit him yeah. with this dose of V by surprise. And then shame him when he accidentally kills somebody. Right. I I like the way that the show's doing it because I think what the the writers have said behind the scenes is, you know, their powers that they get from the Tempe is like, it's specific to their personality. It's kind of like how the super soldier serum like almost amplifies. And, you know, Huey gets the teleportation because he's kind of a runner. You know, he's more of a fleer than a fighter. Yeah. And... I think the writer said the reason he's naked and his clothes don't go with him is because Huey also can't catch a break. Um, like that was the logic, you know, versus Butcher. He gets the Homelander powers because that's the whole thematic point of his character. He's like barely on the other line of Homelander. You know, he's like just a stone's throw, throw from becoming a fucking sociopath. But he's got like similar kind of personality stuff. Um, so I like the way that they're kind of doing it where the powers they get mirror just who they are as people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The show's fantastic the way that it's been doing that. Yeah. That's a really, really smart way to handle it. And and I like that they've diverged from the books and, and it's really now they just kind of bring in like specific, almost just like they're just using character names as Easter eggs. And because yeah. like, do you remember like the love sausage character in the show oh, that had like the giant dick? How do I? <laughs> in the comics, sure he's the like a penis around your neck. <laughs> in the comics, like love sausage is a friend of butchers, and he's like their ally. <laughs> and it, it's fucking great because there's a, a um a story arc where they have to go to Russia, and and love sausage is the one that's putting them up and kind of helping yeah. them, you know, while they're there. And and that. there's like the little Nina character <laughs> and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I highly recommend checking out the books, uh, just just to kind of see because I mean, especially because it's like the hero gasm episode of the TV show. It it yeah. is nothing in in the in the comics. It's an entire arc called hero gasm okay. where they all go to like an island, and basically they say it oh. is like like oh yeah every every year. There's some big battle that all the heroes have to leave Earth to go into space to fight. But that's just the front. That's just the front. In fact, all these heroes are really all going to this island and just doing like a, a you know, a, a three-day orgy or some shit like that. And I think A-Train and some other character are like getting high basically by snorting like dried, like... <laughs> I don't even want to say it. I like, even started to say it out loud. My brain's like, don't say it. It's, so, it's too gross. But it, it, semen. it's not semen. It's it's from it's from Queen Maeve, and it's basically her dried vaginal secretions that have been dried <laughs> and then chopped up into a powder and they're snorting it. It's like, ah. And the guy had to like because like Queen Maeve's like basically just got like teams of dudes that are constantly all banging her. And like he had to like pay one of those dudes to like scrape his dick afterwards. Oh my god. <laughs> like that's how fucked up the comic gets. Like the, the comic book goes hard from like everything I've heard you kind of talk about it on podcasts. It's like obviously the show goes hard, but it seems like the graphic <laughs> album is like 
saying. Have you heard about the Tech Knight character that's in the comics? I've heard you talk about it. <laughs> asteroid or he has dust. a compulsion, or if something has a hole in it, he has to fuck it. I'll probably. Oh, it's so tired. It's so gross. But I think I want to like watch the show to completion, and then then I'll kind of go and do the graphic novels as their own sort of separate thing. You know, <laughs> there's this great bit too where Tech Knight's talking with a therapist to try and work through it, and the way that the panels laid out, like you think that Tech Knight like fucked this therapist, like either cat or dog or something like that. But when the therapist left the room, but in reality, it was the therapist's coffee cup. <laughs> Oh, it's a- <laughs> Jesus Christ! You just have to see the way it's drawn out and everything. It's fucking hilarious. But no, Tech Knight that- in that he's basically an analog for Batman, and so like yeah. he sends his boy Wonder away because he's afraid he's gonna fuck him. It's oh, so God. terrible. I think he tries fucking his Alfred also, and then that guy quits. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. good stuff. So, yeah, yeah, dude, I, I kind of want to go back and do a reread on the boys. <laughs> I'll add it on my list. I've still got to, um, uh, I need to catch up on Saga because they just started, uh, writing again. Yeah. Like, real recently. Yeah, um, they, they dropped a, a full story arc and then went on another six month break. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I need to catch up on that story arc, but, uh, are, are you a fan? Do you read it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love Saga. It's one of my favorite ongoing titles. I mean, I guess, spoiler warning for for anyone that that hasn't read it, but, uh, or no, I can still talk a little vague, but sort of where it ended before they did their, you know, really long, like, multi-year break, though. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I, so I just finished kind of reading through, like, probably a few months ago, and the deaths that all happened, like, kind of right in a row there just were, like so fucking tragic tragic and shocking and absolutely heartbreaking yeah and the fact that they did two like boom boom together it was literally one of my favorite characters killed my other two favorite characters so now i have no favorite characters (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh my god dude and then in issue 55 it shows like something really good happening to that guy and there's a part of me that's almost like Fuck you! I don't want good things to happen to you. I don't. I don't. I don't like that you're having this awesome experience right now. I'm so like, and he was probably my most favorite character up until that point. And it's like, well, shit. Throughout the whole thing, it's like you know that's what he's going to do. That's his mission. I guess. I don't know. My dumbass just thought he would never get there, or like that was going to be at the very end. But like, he fucking did what he set out to do yeah 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 i Uh, oh my gosh yeah talk about getting super connected to characters and then being like almost upset like at the dead character too and being like you and your you and your fucking principles they got you fucking killed oh my god you're right yeah but i mean that's what makes it such a brilliant book because it's in in as a team the author and illustrator like i could not imagine them without each other and i feel like you can also see how they influence each other too like there's certain things that the writer will like do where i'm like okay well that had to come from your partner here you know what i mean 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples are just an incredible team. And Fucking yeah, angry. her artwork is amazing. She's she's probably one of my favorite artists that. Yeah, just like one of my favorite artists yeah. working today. I just I just love the way that that she does. I love the way she draws. I love the way that she lays out her yeah. art and just with her yeah. her creature design on all these different aliens and stuff in the book is just spectacular. Oh my god. I think my favorite one still to this day is like the bodyguards on the the sex planet which are just torsos and the <laughs> nipples are eyes and the belly button is the mouth. Like that's still one of my favorite alien designs ever. <laughs> like sextillion or whatever it is. <laughs> sextillion, yes, that's right. <laughs> and uh Mama Sun is that the fucking evil owner's name yeah like the madam or whatever yeah 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 the madam yeah yeah no that planet's fucked up (laughs) basically the will just goes there with like a a, like a like a like a card that doesn't have like a max limit right oh oh, yeah 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 because it's his business card (laughs) that he's supposed to be using for the the mission but then he finds out his like best competitors on the mission and he's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go use the credit card thing for <laughs> hookers and cocaine, basically. <laughs> but uh, that's like the part where you get really endeared to the will. And then exactly that like, storyline right does. there is because you're like, oh, he's a good guy. Yeah. But and, and that's what makes it the characters in this so great is because they're not just sides of a coin that this character's good this oh, character's absolutely. bad it's more like real life absolutely. where it's like no these are shades of gray these yeah. these people aren't just good or bad they're good and bad in moments and with the will yeah. you have moments where you're absolutely on his side and you're cheering him on and you're like fuck yeah dude i i love this yeah. guy and then there's other moments where you're like you are a despicable bastard who who it's it's a it's a it's a shame that you're drawing breath you yeah, know? and and, and that's, that's what makes him such a compelling character. And that's the same way I felt with uh, Prince Robot. Oh, I love Prince Robot. Fantastic yeah. character. Just another character that you're like, where is he going to land on that spectrum of good or evil? You know. Oh, and what a crazy journey and, that character goes through too. Right, and oh, and I just love that whole like race, their like culture. You know, where it's like you can tell the lower class people are like the two TV heads. And then the king is like the fucking <laughs> widescreen plasma. Head. Yeah, yeah. All the royalty have color TVs for heads. Yeah, and and yeah, every, like if you're that. not royalty, it's black and white. Yeah. A lot yeah. of them have like Apple style kind of fucking heads <laughs> in the nobility. Yeah. Oh, such brilliant. a cool concept. And that's one I wish they would make like a a quality kind of show or movie out of. But I think the. Uh, Brian and Fiona are pretty dead set against that, if I remember right. It it would be amazing to see it done, but the the source material is so close to so many people's hearts that yeah. the the showrunners on that, and I mean, they're going to have to have a huge budget. There's a part of me that thinks it would really only work as animation, but it's like if you've got the CGI budget, you could absolutely do it live action. But you would need it to be like HBO, I think, is the the people that would have to do it. Mm-hmm. But also one of the things about the book that I like is the book has, it has, you know, like present day events going on in it, but then it has narration that's coming from Hazel. Oh, Hazel is a narrator. Is in, in, but the thing is, is that in comic form, you have no idea how old this voice of Hazel is. That's telling this story. You don't know if this right. is, coming, you don't know if this is coming from like a 75 year old woman or, or a 25-year-old woman. Girl. You just don't know. Yeah. Whereas 
I think if they gave us that in a movie, that narration is so important because it it's it gives you oh, I see it gives you saying. Hazel's perspective yeah. on these events in her past. And so if that voice is coming in from a show, you're going to hear age in that voice. And so that would be a little bit of a spoiler. I I think you could get around it though cuz cuz she is an alien race, right? You know, she's half um, no, that is true. That so, like, you could give it this sort of different sound, right? Like, almost in fuck. For example, you could even auto tune the voice and give it like this uh, melodic kind of feel to it, and just say, "Oh, that's the way their like species kind of talks." Which then, to us, we couldn't fucking tell if that's. A, we also don't even know how long their race lives. Actually, come to think of it. That's a really good point. Um, I think I'm I'm overlaying human ideals on aliens. <laughs> yeah. But she's got like fucking wings and horns, so she's gonna have a kind of lifespan. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a just a great idea of a story though that the, that these because like the story of saga is it's like this there's these two races of people that they've just been at war for as long as they can remember, and then yeah. you know a a a, a a, a guy and a gal from d- opposing sides meet during this war and, and fall in love and then have a baby that nobody ever thought was even possible that there could even be like a cross species or, you yeah. know, like a baby that is a cross between these two species. And so now this, this young family is basically just fleeing through space, fleeing for their lives because the leadership for both sides of the war want them dead. And it's just an that- incredible story. Because you can't have that like symbol of unity existing. You can't let people know that that's a possibility. That exactly. Worlds can uh, coexist. Yep. Because so if, gotta... if 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 something happens and this war suddenly stops, the balance of power is going to shift yeah. for both of these these people and they, the people yeah. in charge. Like it benefits them to maintain the status quo and yeah. to keep keep up this war that doesn't need to happen. And they're like, we can't have this symbol. Of the fact that this war is a farce, and so yeah, it's it's heavy. The book is very heavy in many ways, and they, and they do such a good job of like laying that in and sort of showing how much financially, politically, is like at stake for this war and why they don't want to let it go. And yeah, anybody that hasn't read it, you should. It's got it's got the fucking romance. It's got action it's got the humor it's got the feels it's got the game of thrones who's gonna fucking die (laughs) yes tension um it's actually one of the hardest since game of thrones that i can think of where some of the people they've killed it's like holy shit no absolutely Uh, right because the the book is going to subvert your expectations when when it comes to character deaths and stuff And, and like that it's it's just another way that this book that is so far removed from what the average human experience is, is still exactly yep. like the human experience. It's like, yes. this is, this book is a hundred percent, the human experience, but it's happening in a fantastic setting in space yeah. between different races and, yeah. you know, different species and all these different aliens, but still it's that same experience of life is there. And that's really what the book is about. It's, it's a story yeah. about a family and it's, and it's I, fucking amazing. <laughs> it is. And it gives you just enough distance to be able to like really connect with it. I feel like, like it's not too close so that you can't see the forest for the trees. It's like distant enough with those sci-fi and fantasy elements 
that you can really see the humanity on full display. And yeah, I'll say that everybody I've like, I've been just like, hey, read the first chapter and then just make your decision from there. Like without fucking fail, every person has like gotten hooked on it. Like whether they're a graphic novel reader or not, they're just like, this is amazing. Cause it, you know, it, uh, the whole series opens with the birth of Hazel and you're just like immediately drawn in because it's nonstop from <laughs> her first breath. And all the dialogue is just amazing. And it's so real. It like when, so when Alana's giving birth and she's like, am I shitting? I feel like I'm yeah, shitting right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't look unless you're into that. Please don't be into that. Like that, that whole fucking... <laughs> and it just, it tells you so much without telling you like, this is a new couple. They like, don't know each other that well, but they're like having a child, you know, and like, and what they're in this garage, why are they in this garage and just how everything like unfolds. It's like, you're shown so much world building without fucking exposition. You're just right in the middle of it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Brilliant comic. And, and yeah, you're going to have time to catch up on this new arc. I think there's maybe five or six issues. No, it's gotta be six because I think it, I think it went 55 through 60 and then they took a break. But but there's a complete arc and and dude even from the first issue picking up like uh, number fifty five, it's yeah. it's a beautiful continuation. There's a little bit ah. of a time jump, and it, it shows how how the family's ah. dealing moving forward. And, oh. Dude, it's you just got to pick them up. You'll you'll trust I me. Know. You'll dig it. It's a it's, it's a great arc. It's one of those where the only thing I can compare it to is like the red wedding in game of Thrones, where it was like, I had to take a break. Like after <laughs> reading that scene, it was like, I just had to be done for a bit. And it's, and that's where I'm at with like thinking about getting back into this. As soon as you're like, Oh, it's them dealing with this. Thing. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I just, I'm, it's going to take a minute before I can face that shit. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it, dude. There, there's some books where it's like, I've been waiting forever for it to come back out. And then it comes out and it's like, cause I did that with saga where it's like, I read the first issue and then the next month I read the next issue. And then I was like, this, this is too much. I'm just going to wait. And so I waited yeah. until the last one's piled up and then I read them all in a row. And I was like, okay, good. That was, that was good. <laughs> I was like, otherwise this is too much. It's like trying to read this month to month, but it's like, I, I want to support the artist or the, the creators. Yeah. So it's like, I bought those issues and then I just let them pile up. Yeah, because because anymore, I, I pretty much switched my collection to digital um, it, as soon as like my graphic novels, like we're taking up an entire bookcase and yeah. and, and my my comic collection reached like eight short boxes. I'm like, this is too much. I, 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 I treasure these things too much. Every one of these comics is in a, <laughs> in a bag with a board. Yeah, and, and I can't see yeah. myself just stacking them up out in my garage because I'm going to be worried about the climate and stuff. Like, are these books going to get ruined? <laughs> it's like, who gives right. a fuck? Comics aren't worth money yeah. anymore unless it's like very certain niche issues. Like, But still, it's like, I have it. I'm going to treat it like gold. It's a collectible, right? I mean, it's like something that we, we kind of, you know, grew up on. Like, I, I still have a lot of the fucking shit I collected. Uh, I, I can't do graphic novels over digital though. Like I, I tried Marvel Unlimited for a bit and just, I don't know, reading them on my phone, like not the same. No, reading them on a phone sucks ass. You got to have at least a 10 inch tablet. You got to get okay. it close to the size of a comic book and then just read it in full page. Okay. And then, and that, that was the way I found out to where it's like, Oh, now this works for me. 
I, okay. I have Comixology on my phone and I never fucking use it because it sucks. Because I want to read yeah. things as a full page. I think the the view that Comixology and other apps like that do, where it'll give it to you a panel at a time, is neat. But there's something about just seeing the entire page layout that that I want to see. Yeah. I don't want to just see individual panels. I want to see all the way these panels work together because that in itself will sometimes tell you part of the story. Right. Well, and I feel like when the artists, you know, are making them and compiling them, they're doing that with the intent of like when you flip the page, you're going to see all the panels at once. Like exactly. Glomerate image that then you break apart into separate images in your mind. But I think you're right. It hits weird when you just get that panel at a time. I, I couldn't get into that either. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I read them on my phone for the longest time and then I, I found like a, like a cheap old, like iPad four or something like that on eBay for like a hundred bucks. And I, and I bought it just only to read comics on. And then when Comixology like updated their app and so it no longer worked on that old ass iPad, I was like forced to buy yeah. a, a Kindle and I bought a, a 10 inch Kindle and I was like, Oh, we're back in business, Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it now. We're back to reading comics on a digital screen. This is the shit. That, that might be what I have to do because there, there's just a, a few I want to get kind of get back into like Saga being one. And then, uh, I need to polish off with the, uh, the last Ronin too. Oh, that's the, the, the TMNT book? Yeah. Yes, I read the first issue of that and thought it was fucking incredible. I need to get back on that because that first issue that, was fucking great. The second issue is the best. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll get back into that because I loved it. And and I'll, I'll tell you what they do, too, is because, well, you know, at the end of the first issue, they reveal who the lone living turtle is. Uh-huh. Um, what they start doing in each issue after is they'll juxtapose like the current living turtles kind of story with uh flashbacks and they show in turn how each of his brothers died. Oh no, my God, and, that sounds heartbreaking. <laughs> and I, I will tell you going in, I was not prepared for how it was going to hit to see one of my childhood heroes die. Well, I, that's the first, first thing I thought dude was like, I don't know uh, if uh, I've ever considered the fact of a teenage mutant Ninja turtle comic book making me feel emotional but that would and the way that that each of them goes out though is so true to their personalities and like they all go out fighting i'll say that oh, and of it's course. just like you're you're proud of them die almost and that makes it like even more heartbreaking uh but they don't let you none of the turtles let you down excellent um, oh yeah i'll be jumping back into that one now Oh shit! Yeah, More that's stuff that's another do. one. You'll have to let me know what you think. It's um also another one that I haven't like bought the next issue just because it's like ah I gotta log on to Amazon and order this depressing thing that I'm interested <laughs> in. <laughs> it's, it's a capsule of depression to get delivered to my house. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, uh, but dude. it's it's a really high quality. Excellent. Yeah, no, I'll for sure add it onto my list because I loved that first one. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, that sounds fucking great, dude. Um, dude, I've had the best time talking with you tonight. I'm so glad that, yeah. that you had uh, time to come on the show and, and that we finally got around to this. It was a, a lot of fun. The fucking time just flew by. And yeah, I mean, whenever you're willing to have me back, like I had a blast talking with you. Oh, absolutely, dude. Um, do you want to uh, plug your, your Instagram page or anything like that? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, if anybody wants to kind of hear the ramblings of my fractured and crazy brain uh, anymore, I do have an Instagram meme page I've been running for the last few months. It's uh, Montana Man Memes on Instagram, uh, but it's spelled MT Man Memes. Uh, so postal code abbreviation for Montana Bear. Uh, so just MT Man Memes on Instagram. Uh, I do have a Twitter as well, but I more just kind of use that to make the memes that I then post on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram. That's where the action's at. It's a great follow too. I highly recommend it, people. You got some great memes <laughs> I, on there. It always cracks me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Instagram's one of those apps where I, I open maybe once a week or something like that. And I always enjoy laughing at your memes on there. <laughs> I, I try to spread uh, positivity as opposed to the usual doom scrolling. <laughs> Well done. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StartCast.